Welcome back to Wax Wednesdays. Why join the Navy when you can be a pirate? And last uh, last episode, you would have heard the OGs. So what are these now? Well. The non-OGs? The SOGs, <laughs> the sample OGs. These are the copyright infringements. These are the copyright infringements. <laughs> These, these are, are the copyright infringements. <laughs> Shout out to the original though. pirates. <laughs> yeah, these are the OGPs. Yeah, these are people who take other songs and just make it their own and don't give a fuck and they press it to wax. Oh, that's exactly right. Maybe we should start doing that. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just ours on two, three minute songs. Like we're pressing it to wax <laughs> and the wax is your ears. Yeah, so we're looking at people who take other songs and sample them and make them their own essentially and... We're going to be talking about a few Godfathers of Soundplane, I think. Yeah, definitely. This, as like like we just said, this is a follow-on from the the previous episode, um, and looking at how those some of those original songs influenced and formed some of these new absolute hits. Yeah. So what if we're talking about how samples were created from last episode and how they made them their own? Basically, it's on that area of started real turntablers. People just buying records from the record store and just like spinning them, making these loops and. Been able to record them on a, like an eight-piece tape player. Yeah, imagine like buying that. a record just for that thirty seconds of playback that you're going to break down into a beat loop. <laughs> Funnily enough, I and throw out the rest. <laughs> I made a few records. I took a Blackbirds, uh, I spaced out by the Blackbirds bass line and just made a Deep House record. Pretty sick. But anyways, <laughs> I I, uh, I can't do it compared to these guys. These guys are. Real legends, though. No, I think you and I both got a few doubles, double ups of a couple of songs. We'd love to uh, flex our skills and, and form some loops of our own. Yeah, well, firstly, we can't talk about sampling without talking about Jay Diller. Um, if you haven't seen his Crate Diggers episode on YouTube, go check that out. This guy is like literally the legend behind everyone. Like, he made Erica Badu, he like worked with um, a Tribe Called Quest. Like, he's like. All the godfathers of hip-hop kind of talk about him. Yeah, he's like, I'd imagine he'd be an early DJ term, you know, producing protege. Yeah, he was like, but his story is he grew up just loving music and he wasn't that um, rich in that he could go buy a lot of records. So what he would do is he'd get money for lunch every day and he'd go straight to the records and just spend his lunch money. And basically, he just, every last dollar he had was spent on buying records. To the oh. point where, like... I know that feeling. He passed away probably in the, uh, at a young age, too, like in his 30s from cancer, and um, they're still finding records that he bought. Like, that's how many records he has. He's, like, storage places all over this town, and people are still uncovering them. <laughs> oh, the little caches of records. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Like, this guy took these sounds and reimagined them in so many different ways, and some of the songs I play, they're only like one to two minutes long, but they're like such sick samples. Ah, uh, and it really, it really breaks it down. I mean, what we do now for some of these podcasts, going digging, spending hours flicking through the racks at a record store, these are sort of, we're going back to like the, the origins of, of crate digging, hunting for that next obscure thing, that next sound to mix and break that one bit of original or obscure music that you could claim in your own way. No, that's exactly it. Like, Talib Kweli tells this uh, story of Jay Dilla. If you go record digging with him, like, it's a day-long thing. You're there for, like, six, seven hours. Like, he's looking at every fucking record in the store and listening to everything in there. And there's so many stories of, like, if he drove you, you're going to be there for a long time, (laughs) essentially, because there's no escape. (laughs) And he gets the stacks so high, and he just walks out, but... You start making money from music, and then you start buying music. Like, imagine how much music you actually get. It's to insane. make music, to buy music, to make music, to buy music. Yeah. Like that's a loop I'd like to be in. Yeah. That's a sampling loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
We are sampling records. You buy records to make records. Yeah, that's exactly right. And who, who can't forget or look past, you know, I guess some uh, Australian samplers in their own right, uh, the Avalanches, and they, just on their first record alone, sampled something like three and a half thousand records. Yeah, it's a lot. Like that one record. It took like took ten years to collect all those samples and cut it into a cut it into a record that they were finally happy with, and they were also secure all the rights to just be able to play those one little pieces. It's not it's not as easy as just ripping a track and nah. Tell uh, Robin Thicke that. <laughs> yeah, Gene's <laughs> <laughs> super taking a Marvin Gaye record. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but everyone does it, and it's funny that actually sometimes nowadays I'll listen to the one. I'm like, do you actually know there was a cover of it before? Like, even if you take Drake's Hotline Bling and like you think like that was an original song, and it's not. <laughs> it's actually a song from like I think the early '80s. No, they've cut and taken one line out. And you're like, I never would have imagined that. And it's actually better. I just wish I knew it before. It was like yeah, someone obviously got to it and was like, Hey, Drake, you should put some lyrics on top of this. Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm quite often finding myself. Uh, introduced to original samples. I mean, uh, people I work with, Paul and Jamie, they're both vinyl heads, and they'll say, "Oh, have you heard this? This was originally produced, or is a backing track." I mean, Paul goes real deep into the origins of African bomb- bombarda, and uh, when he was still heavily involved in gang, and that was, a, I guess, a, a part of his lifestyle before he blended it into music, and then obviously reinforced that culture of early hip hop. Um, and what he was playing and where he was getting it from, like he was mix- he was mixing like early craftwork from Europe before craftwork had even made it over to the states. Yeah, it's insane. And there's like, I guess we have to give shout outs to like a Mark Brunson TED Talk we're talking about. He talks about the song by Slick Rick and Ladi Dadi, We Like to Party, <laughs> and how many like legends have taken that song yeah, and made number and one hits from it, turned it into a modern s- track. I mean, most people now. Would just cycle back to Miley, Miley Cyrus, who literally. You know what? Your peep this, Lottie We like the party. We don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. As we go a little something like this. Your peep this, Lottie Dottie. We don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. We're just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Yeah, so really, like, you can take a hit and make another one number one hit, and then you say take that number one hit and make another yeah. number one hit, really, is what we're saying. Yeah, so if you want to make a number one hit, get an old number one hit and redo it. Yeah. Is that, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I think I like people like when they take their song and they reinsert themselves into it and kind of bring that feeling of, hey, this is what it was in the 80s, but this is what it would sound like in today's world. Yeah, exactly. Wanting to be part of that sound or, you know, represent part of that person within their own within their own music and connect that. I mean, another one, and, and I'll play it later, obviously, not many people have heard the original from Fatboy Slim's Mammoth tune, Praise You. Most people, again, hear it for the first time and don't realise, uh, I guess, the origins. It's a snappy, funky soul number. It's not it's not just a sort of single line from a chorus. That's like one line in a mid-verse of a bridge that he's then used and turned into a massive track. Exactly. And it's funny how, like, it's changed so much. Like, that's how they did it back in the 80s. Like, literally take it from the record, record it, and then record another song and mix it together on, like, on, like tape players and then, obviously, computers. And 
nowadays like i'll play this blood orange record where he takes a live recording from a slant poetry session and just puts that in his record yeah like just ripping it from youtube like that's what it's become now yeah and again like those early turntables were doing that they were recording from the tally like onto a tape and then getting it etched onto a record like a weather report just yeah for, like, like <laughs> so one dope. line to be able to like drop one line in um that was the, like the value of sound was transformed when you could sample everything who knows maybe we're getting sampled I hope I hope we I hope Moody Man takes out our our, <laughs> our voice and we can someone can pretend we're him. Oh, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Even like we're obviously talking about hip hop and electronic music, but what about like house and disco music as well? Like you take like a saxophone lead, track like a four by four electronic beat on it, layer it, and there you go, modern dance classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, as you mentioned, like I got a couple of Moody Man records, like his album Mahogany Brown's fantastic and pretty much does exactly that. Yeah, like honestly, Moody Man's voice you can see why people sample that all yeah. the time hold on hold on fuck that hold on hold on fuck that fuck that shit hold on i got to start this motherfucking record over again wait a minute fuck that shit still on this motherfucking record i'm gonna play this motherfucker for y'all hey y'all get some more drinks going on i sound a whole lot better Hold on, I got to start this motherfucking record over again. Wait a minute, fuck that shit. Still on this motherfucking record. Yeah, that's what's happening. Exactly, and again, like Nightmares on Mike's another classic called Daft Punk themselves, chopping up some huge songs to create some of the biggest dance anthems ever. Yeah, we just played that one in last week's episode of where they got the one more time from, like, you take a little bit from the, f- like you take the chorus and you loop four different parts of the chorus to make one melody and there you go. You got a song that's last, f- like that song will last generation. Yeah, that still stands up. I would still get down to that. I party. literally played it last weekend at a, oh, a couple weekends ago actually now at a, a mate's engagement and it's still like one of the, my favorite songs. Yeah, exactly. It's nearly the song of the set when people hear it. For sure. Um, that is one band I would, I would, I wish I would have seen live. At a l- when they did that pyramid tour live, oh man! Oh. Imagine being on all the hallucinogenics then. Oh mate, I'd, I'd <laughs> go to that sober and, and still have an awakening experience. For sure. So uh, yeah, that's the life of sampling. It's a crazy world. I feel like we get stuck in a rabbit hole of other greats and how they've done it. But um, do you have a favorite a favorite sample of Gibbs? Yeah, my favorite one of all time would be the Joe Cocker sample that that was taken for Tupac by Dr. Dre. So basically Joe Cocker made this record that was like basically Tupac's lead lick for California. Um but how it actually came to how it came to fruition was um Dr. Dre basically took this record and being a master producer he was just created this absolute tune that's arguably an anthem for California. <laughs> remix it there you go another one just that one lick um james brown payback you know 
coming. The big payback. The big payback. That's been sampled and used as like an entry lick. I'll I'll play it on a on a song from um from a pretty big movie soundtrack. Uh, Unchained. The payback. Untouchable. Um, and that's huge. Like so recognizably James Brown, yet very much its own song as well. Yeah, and it's interesting when we're comparing genres that who does this best? They do it in such unique ways. Like no. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I probably listen to more house and electronic samples than I do hip-hop. Yeah, but I would say I got more hip-hop samples than I do electronic. But electronic, every, what we're getting out is every record now is sampled off something. You can't be, it's hard to be original anymore, is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, most electronic music is, you're right, is definitely sampling music or sampling somewhere. Sampling lessons or licks. Sampling riffs, sounds or sound, beats, rhymes. everything. That's kind of the w- wonderful thing about music is it can be shared in that way yeah it evolves adapts and changes and uh we'll play for you some right now yeah evolve onto the turntables gibbs what are you gonna hit us with uh, i'll play jay diller and i'll show you some of his beats he's created um he also is part of a group called slum village as well that you may have heard of and then play that blood orange track of a, of a youtube slam poetry night uh covering missy elliott and then uh we'll drop some house records love it love it i'm gonna hit you with uh a song from the django unchained soundtrack that big one praise you and then a deep cut from the avalanches all right we'll see you next week bye Sending those signals, sending those signals, sending those signals, those two doodles.
In my phone, cause I wanna get it on till I die. In my phone, cause I wanna get it on till I die. Get it on till I die. Get it on till I die. Y'all, y'all remember me? Y'all, y'all remember me? Like you expect Jesus to come back. Expect me, nigga. I'm coming. <laughs> We've 
old woman who learned how to dance until she felt pretty. Feminism wears a throwback jersey, bamboo earrings, and a face beat for the gods. Feminism is the rap Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, and Angie Martinez on the Not Tonight track. Feminism says as a woman in my arena, you are not my competition as a woman. In my arena, your life doesn't make mine any dimmer, dear Missy. I did not grow up to be you, but I did grow to be me and be in love with who this woman is. To be a woman playing a man's game and not be apologetic about any of it. If you ask me what representation is important, I will tell you that on days I don't feel pretty, I hear the sweet voice of Missy singing to me. Pop that, pop that, jiggle that fat, and don't stop, get it till your clothes get wet. I will tell you that right now there are a million black girls just waiting to see someone who looks like them.
got something to do with um being a man and handling your biz. What love got to do with it? SSV is all bullshit. You know what love is. Say you would be one time. You know what love is. Be on some love shit. You know what love is. Be on some love shit. You know what love is. And to the bitches that love dick and masturbate, no need for that. And get down, rap, say word. You know what love is. You know what love is. You know what love is. 